take your Bible. Let's go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. We are kind of nearing the end of our study of this chapter. What a powerful chapter it is and has been. It's been challenging for me uh, to really look at each section of this chapter and, and dig into uh, the, the truths that are contained herein. And it can seem sometimes when you're reading through uh, a chapter like this where there's a lot of repetition and repetition of thought, it can seem as though, uh, haven't we already gone over this? But something that I think it's good to remind ourselves of is that God doesn't waste words. And everything that's in here is in here for a reason, and it's for our admonition and learning. So there's something that God has for us here as we kind of even are covering some of the things that we've mentioned before, and I think it'll just be helpful for us as we dig into this tonight. Psalm 119, we'll begin reading in verse 145, where he says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawn of the morning and cried... I hoped in thy word, mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief, they are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. You can be seated. I want to preach to you from this passage of scripture on the subject of trusting God when trials overwhelm us. Trusting God when trials overwhelm us. When we, if you remember, and I know I've mentioned this pretty much every message over the last uh, half of the study or so, that the, the context of this particular chapter really is a, a man who is seeking after God, but he has enemies. He has people that are, that are uh, persecuting him, people that are telling lies about him, that are uh, seeking his destruction, seeking to destroy him. And as he is going about trying to seek the Lord and know the Lord, he finds himself becoming overwhelmed by his adversaries. And uh, in, in verse 143, in the previous section, he even says, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me. Uh, in other words, the, the, the problems that I find myself in, uh, they have overcome me. I mean, they, they, they've got a, a grip on me. This isn't just some arbitrary thing that's out there that comes to my mind once in a while. This is all-consuming. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where, where the trials that you're facing are all-consuming? It's about all you can think about. I mean, it just, even when your mind isn't actively engaged in the problem, there's just kind of a, a, a cloud that's hanging over you. There's that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. Something's not right. And you're just overwhelmed and overcome by the problem at hand. I know there have been times uh, when I found myself in that situation where uh, there's just kind of a prevailing uh, fear or anxiety or burden that I'm carrying and it's just like the, the circumstances of life have gotten a hold of me 
and, and it is controlling every moment of my life. That is the context of where this psalmist finds himself. These people, for whatever reason, who are opposing him and are trying to destroy him, he's done nothing wrong to them uh, as far as we can tell, but they're coming against him without cause, and it has become the thing that overwhelms him. However, in the midst of all of this, he is writing from the perspective of a man who loves the word of God, lives in the word of God, seeks after the Lord, and praises God for the truth of his word. If it weren't for the word of God, he wouldn't have any hope. He wouldn't have any direction. He wouldn't have uh, uh, clarity in life. But we remember uh, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a, and a light unto my path. Verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. And so what is he saying? In the midst of all of these things, the word of God is the thing that has kept me grounded. It's the thing that's kept me straight. It's the thing that has kept me from wandering out of the will of God. And even in verse number 71 of this chapter, he makes this strange statement where he says, or verse 70, yeah, verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. I mean, this is actually, even though it's a, 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 an overwhelming and troubling circumstance I find myself in, I also recognize that God has a purpose in the pain. And isn't it wonderful to know that a child of God, a Christian friend, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that may even be overwhelming you tonight, to know that your God cares about you, he loves you, and he has a purpose in it. That someday you're going to be able to look back and say, that was good for me. I remember as a, as a child times where uh, it seemed as though my uh, father's instruction and correction and discipline uh, were, were more than I could bear. It seemed a little bit heavy-handed, but I look back today, and as a father myself, seeing things in my own children and looking at my life, and I can look back on the chastening hand of my father and say, that was good for me. And I believe that one day, maybe not here, maybe not here in this life, but at least when we're in heaven in glory, we'll be able to look back at the valleys that we find ourselves in and the struggles that we face and look at them and say, you know what, that was good for me. The Lord was good to me in allowing me to go through that because ultimately what it did was it drove me closer to him. And this is really what the psalmist is talking about here, even in this section of the chapter, I want you to notice the words in verse number 145, I cried with my whole heart. He said in verse 146, I cried unto thee. Verse 147, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. You know, one thing that the psalmist could say about this affliction that he found himself in is that it had an effect on his prayer life. I mean, the, the things that he found himself facing uh, uh, changed his, uh, his attitude in prayer to where it, it was, yes, it was prayer of desperation, but it, it caused him to turn to the Lord. And that's really what I want to point out, first of all, is his response to this affliction. His, his response was to turn to the Lord. Has it ever occurred to you that the Lord may actually allow 
uh, suffering in our lives in order that we might draw closer to Him. Certain trials and burdens that we carry will actually teach us to pray. Um, and I don't, I don't want to necessarily try to get too specific about things, but, but friend, if you've found yourself in a, in a serious situation of desperation, uh, maybe it's a, a bad diagnosis from the doctor, or, or maybe it's a, a phone call in the middle of the night, or maybe there's some uh, issue within your family that, that is threatening the, the strength and stability of your home. Whatever the case is, you found yourself in a moment of desperation, and you learned very quickly how to pray. <laughs> you, you learned what it meant to spend the night in prayer. Uh, and folks, I'll tell you that, that there have been times uh, when circumstances in life have been pretty good and I've been pretty comfortable and struggled to really find myself on my knees. But there have been other times that the Lord has brought me through some things that the only thing I knew how to do was pray. And I found myself on my knees an awful lot more in prayer to God and crying out to Him. And, and friend, can I just tell you, when trouble comes in your life, the very first thing you ought to do is look up. Look to the Lord. Notice he says in verse 140, uh, 147, he says, I prevented the dawning of the morning. Now, if you know anything about the old uh, English, the, the, the word prevent in the Bible is not usually used uh, like we would use it today. We, we use the word prevent to talk about uh, to hinder something, to obstruct something. But actually, the word prevent, biblically, uh, it, it, it means to, to meet something or even to precede something. So it would be like this. I, I have a, a, a meeting set up with you at 9 a.m., but I'm there at 8.30 because I'm going to prevent you. I'm going to be there before you and, and, and meet with you there. With expectation, uh, I, I'm expecting you to be there and I will be there before you. This, this is what it's talking about, this word prevented. I prevented the dawning of the morning. What's he saying? I got up before the sun so that I could pray. I woke up early in the morning, and then he says in verse 147, I prevented the dawning, or, or, or verse 148 rather, I, mine eyes prevent the night watches. I, I find myself awake late into the evening, praying and seeking after the Lord. Uh, I, I, every moment of the day I'm looking to God. I want you to hold your place here and, and uh, go with me if you would to chapter 62 of Psalms, Psalm 62, and there's some similar things that are stated here about looking to the Lord in our time of trial and trouble. Verse number 1 of Psalm 62 says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not greatly, I shall not be greatly moved. Look down to verse number five. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. 
He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Then look at verse number 8. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Look down in verse number 11. It says, God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. If, if you read this, you find that David was absolutely convinced that in a time of difficulty, in a time of need, the only place that he needed to turn was the Lord. It's God that has strength. It's God that has uh, uh, the ability. Uh, I mean, God has spoken once, but twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. God is the one who is able to meet my needs. God is the one uh, who is able to help me in time of trouble. He is my rock. He is my strength. Therefore, when I find myself in trouble, I look to him. I look to God because he is able to help. So his response to affliction was to turn to the Lord. But then I want you to go back with me to chapter 119, and, and I'll show you in verse number 147, his remembrance, his remembrance. Look at verse number uh, 140, yeah, 147. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, and then listen to this, I hoped in thy word. I hoped in thy word. Verse 148, mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. What's he saying? My confidence is in the word of God. That, that's where it comes from. Now, did you know that prayer and the word of God go hand in hand? Really, you're not going to have an effective prayer life if you don't know this book. Think with me on this. If you, everything you know about God comes from His Word. The fact that you know how to pray and who to pray to and what to pray for, that comes from the Word of God. And so you can't really have an effective prayer life without the Word of God. But you know what else? The Word of God helps us to understand that when we pray... We are praying to the one who is able to meet us in our place of need, to help us. He's promised to help us. And by the way, as you read and study the Bible, you come to understand some things about God and his nature and his character. And when you consider the truth of the word of God, you have hope. You have hope. Uh, we, we took some time here earlier in the service and we prayed about people that we care about, people that are, uh, find themselves in a place of need. Why do we do that? Well, it's not just because, you know, this is a religious ritual that we go through, and it's not just because we're going to throw something against the wall and hope it sticks. You know, I'm going to just try something, anything. I'll pray if that's my last resort. No, no, no. We take time and we pray to God because we have confidence. We have confidence that prayer matters. 
Because the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or it accomplishes much. And much is accomplished by people spending time in prayer before God. How do we know that? God told us so. And so when we pray, we pray in hope. We pray with confidence. We believe that we're not just wasting our time, but that God is going to come through and that he's going to answer and that he's going to help us. And so here, as the psalmist is talking about crying out to the Lord and praying and seeking the Lord, he's also saying, I, I, I hoped in the word of God. I mean, that's, that's what helped me to have hope. Notice verse 148, he says, Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Uh, hey, brother, why are you staying up so late at night? Well, I've got a lot of work to do, and I need to get caught up on that. Uh, I remember when I was, was in college, uh, I would, would go to class during the day and work through the evening, and I'd, I got off of work at like 11.30 at night. I'd get back to the, the dorm room sometime around midnight, and then I had all my homework to do for the next day. And I remember many nights being up till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning writing papers and, and getting stuff done in, in preparation for class the next day. I stayed up late because there was something important that needed to be done. Sometimes we find ourselves staying up late because... There are people that we love that are in need. We've had some illness going around the church, and some of us with, with kids at home have been up in the night with children that need care. They need to be tended to. In other words, the reason that we stay up late at night is because there are priorities that, 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 that ha they just have to be done. And it, if that means we've got to sacrifice some sleep to get things taken care of, we do that because... There is something that is more important than even sleep and my physical health that has to take priority in this place. The psalmist here says, I stayed up late at night. Mine eyes prevented the night watches. That, so that, in order that I might meditate in thy word. Do you know what he's saying? I set aside time to intentionally think upon the word of God. I set aside time, a time that I could have been sleeping, a time that I could have been resting. I sacrificed some of my sleep in order that I might think about the word of God. Why? Because I needed hope, and my hope is in his word. Now, think with me on this. Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. What he's saying is this was a conscious decision. Have you ever thought about the fact that to, to dwell upon the word of God, to meditate on the word of God, it is a conscious decision. It is natural for us to focus on our circumstances. It's natural for us to focus on our trials and afflictions. You don't have to actively think about that, right? Oh man. I've got this major financial problem in my life. I am about facing bankruptcy. I ought to take some time and stay up late tonight and think about that. No, you don't have to consciously do that. It's with you everywhere you go, isn't it? 
and, and, and boy, I've got this health problem that's just really plaguing me. I've got to find some time to meditate on that. No, no, it consumes you. It, it, it fills your mind. It's just naturally there. The problems of life automatically are there. But to dwell upon the promises and truth of the word of God, that requires intentional effort. It actually requires that I am going to take my eyes off of the circumstances that I find myself in and, and think upon the truth and the promises that God has given me. And friend, that does not come naturally. I know what it means. I know what it is to be a worrier, to be someone who can be stressed out easily. I've dealt with anxiety I know what those things are by personal experience. And I'll tell you, those things come naturally. I, I can easily think of a hundred things that could go wrong or are going wrong. But you know what I need to do? I need to train myself to, to remind myself of the word of God. To think on these things. What does God say? I have to train myself to do that. I have to make special effort and work hard to keep my mind rooted in truth. Go back to Psalm 73. We're spending a lot of time in the Psalms tonight. Psalm 73, I think, is it's, it's just one of those Psalms that stands out. It, 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 it's just a, a little bit different than, than so many of the other Psalms where Asaph here is actually expressing openly and saying openly what most of us have probably felt inwardly but feel too ashamed to admit. And he talks about how he knows that God is good, but he's discouraged. In fact, he, he, he's been discouraged because he's watched as righteous people and good people find themselves in trouble all the time, and, and even he himself, uh, trying to be right with God, found himself being plagued and chastened. But then as he looked at the wicked and those who disregard the things of God, it seemed as though they were prospering, it seemed that they had no problems and no difficulty, and he said, this just isn't fair, this isn't right. And he said uh, in, in verse number 2 of this chapter, he said, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I mean, I was so discouraged that I was just ready to give up. I was ready to throw in the towel. I knew that God was good, but somehow, because of the things that I saw and the things that I felt, I was ready to be done. But then he says in verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He, he says, when, when I considered all of these things that I saw and that I felt, it caused me to be overwhelmed, it caused me to be depressed, it caused me to want to just give up. But when I went into the presence of God, my thinking got straightened out. And he begins to talk about the, the end of the wicked, that there is a day coming, that their comfort and their ease is going to come to an end, and they're going to face judgment. And, and, and he even ends the chapter with this idea that the, the greatest thing that he has is the Lord, and, and he's going to go to be with the Lord. 
But in the, in the middle of that, in verse 22, he says, So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Why? Because my, I allowed my feelings to override my faith in what God had said. Now, if we're all really honest with ourselves, we have to admit that that comes naturally for us. To just allow our feelings to dictate what we believe and what we think. But, but, but the, one of the disciplines of the Christian life is learning to take what we feel and filter it through what God has said. And, and actually allow ourselves to operate not based on what the circumstances around us say, but based on what God has said in his word. That's our stability. So let me just give you a few examples of this. In your life, when you feel, here's just an example, you feel guilt and shame and condemnation. You feel like God could never use you because of past failures, because of sin, and you just feel that condemnation. Remind yourself of Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Word of God contradicts your feeling and reminds you of the truth that God wants you to know and live by. When you feel as though the circumstances of life are too much for you to handle... And you say, I just can't do that. Remind yourself of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When you feel hopeless, that there is just, that, 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 that life is worthless and there's nothing good and, and, and everything is just turned upside down, remind yourself of Isaiah 26.3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You see, over and over and over again, we need to remind ourselves of God's truth because God's truth puts things into perspective. We've got to step back from what we think or what we feel in the moment and remind ourselves that our feelings change, circumstances change, and we are very limited in what we can see. But God, who sees everything, has given to us an eternal word that is always trustworthy. It's always accurate. And it's always, we can, we can always count on it. I've heard, I, I've never flown an airplane, but I've heard from uh, pilots and people who, uh, who have trained in that way that they're, uh, one of the things that pilots are trained in is something known as spatial disorientation. Have you ever heard of that before? Spatial disorientation. Supposedly what happens is when you're flying in an airplane and you get up into the clouds, you can't see what's around you. And so your, your body kind of goes from relying on your eyes to relying on, on other things and primarily your equilibrium. Your equilibrium is what gives you balance. It's what tells you 
which direction you're going. If you're over on your side or if you're standing straight up or whatever. And so when you're flying in an airplane as a pilot, you can't see anything around you. Your, your body tries to compensate by, by using your equilibrium to tell you if your wings are straight and level or if you're tilted or this way or that way. The problem is the motion of the plane can actually mess with your equilibrium. And so a very common problem is that someone will feel, for instance, a pilot will feel like they're continually climbing when they're actually flying level. And their response is naturally to push the controls forward and go down. And they feel like they're level, but they're actually headed toward the ground. Now think about this with me. Their body is trying to tell them, this is what you need to do. But that would be the wrong decision. And so what they are taught is, regardless of how you feel, you have to always trust the instruments. You need to pay attention to what that altimeter says. If it, if it tells you that you're at a certain altitude, you need to trust it. If it tells you that your wings aren't level, you need to trust it, even if it doesn't feel right. And it might feel like, in, in order to, to get the gauges to where they need to be, you might feel like you're leaning this way and climbing upward. But you just need to trust the gauges. Because the gauges are not, uh, uh, are not conditioned to respond to feeling, but to truth. And by the way, I think that's a very good illustration for the Christian life. There are times that we find ourselves kind of in the clouds, if you will. We can't really see what's around us, and, and, and it's confusing. And if we default to what we feel, or we default to our own understanding, what we think makes sense in the moment, we could very well be setting ourselves up for failure. So we have to trust the instruments. We have to put our confidence in what we know to be true and trust it, even when it doesn't feel right. We hope in the word of God because God helps us to have stability and strength. We hope in his word. And then I want to show you in verses 150 and 151, the psalmist's refuge. He says in verse number 150, they draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. So here this psalmist who's trying to do right and is being oppressed by people who are seeking his destruction, he recognizes that they're closing in on him. They're getting close. And the problem is, these people, though they're close to me, they're far from God. They're far from his law. They're far from his word. I can't trust these people to show compassion like God would have them to show compassion and mercy. I can't trust these people to, to have my best interest in mind. No, they're far from God. These are wicked people, and, and they just want to destroy me. And they're closing in. They're close to me, but they're far from God. I want you to notice his, his, his response to that, though. Verse 151, thou art near, O Lord. I can feel that the 
those who are seeking my destruction are closing in on me, and they're far from you. So my response, I'm going to draw close to you. Friend, can I, can I encourage you? When you find yourself overwhelmed by the trials of life, draw close to God. Realize that His presence is with you. If you are His child, thou art near, O Lord. But also I am committed to drawing close to you. James 4.8 tells us, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. That's a wonderful promise. When, when it seems like my trials are catching up with me, the best thing I can do is just try to catch up to God. <laughs> I remember times as a, as a child walking with my father and being scared of something. I remember one time we were uh, in, in Madison, Wisconsin, downtown Madison near the, the university and near the capital there, uh, there is a street that's known as State Street. And State Street in, Wisconsin, in Madison, Wisconsin is like... Um, if you were to go to a freak show, <laughs> it wouldn't it, it 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 couldn't compete much with State Street. I mean, this was back in you know the like the early '90s, and I remember seeing you know men dressed up as women with all kinds of weird face paint and people just doing all kinds of crazy stuff down there. There are drugs and and drinking and just all kinds of chaos. And I remember walking down there with my dad and being scared of some of the people that were around. And I remember something that my dad told me, just stay close to me and you'll be okay. Just don't, just don't wander off. Don't let me get ahead of you. Just stay close to me, hold my hand, and you'll be okay. Maybe some of us just need to be reminded, let's get close to God, and we'll be okay. The trials are there, the circumstances are there, there are maybe even in your life like this psalmist people that are seeking to tear you down and to destroy you, but your hope isn't in them, it's in God. Draw nigh to Him, and He will draw nigh to you. For this psalmist to be able to say in verse 143, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet in verse 151, thou art near, O Lord. Lord, I know that you're with me, even in the most difficult situations of life. Much like David said in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Draw close to the Lord, no matter what you find yourself in. If you want to trust God, respond to affliction by seeking Him. Seek Him. Remind yourself of the truth of His Word. Hope in His Word. Find your refuge in the Lord. Draw nigh to Him and He'll draw nigh to you.